Hi, my name is Jason Adriani, and welcome to the Blade in Chats, your skating chat based. In this podcast, we are talking with bladers and bladies from all over the world, united by a single passion, blading. Episode 63, Chris Haffey. Yo. Yo, man, what's going on? Fine, what about you, Chris? Thank you for being here, man. Yeah, no worries, dude. Man, no worries. So, so happy to see you. It's like 8 in the morning here in Milano. But like, man, oh, shit. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to, to have you here. Yeah, no worries. Sorry for the early early wake up call. No, no, no. I'm 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 honored, man. Like, as I said to you, I am super happy and super hyped about this one. Right on. So, so how's life so far? Like, um, what is going on right now in Sydney? Um, uh, Australia, honestly, is a it's a pretty good place to be right now. Um, it's it's obviously we went through a lot of isolation, did uh did the whole lockdown deal, but things are starting to ease uh quite a lot here and. Uh, I mean, the case numbers here are, are pretty low. Australia was a pretty good place to be throughout this whole thing, to be honest. So uh, I'm feeling pretty pretty lucky that we were over here when it all happened. Great. So first thing first, congratulations to you and your wife for uh, for the kid, man. Oh, cheers, man. I appreciate no, it. No, really, really. Pretty cool to see you guys, like, having a good time and, like, uh, uh, trying to spend the best out of it for with the kid and all that. So, yeah, thumbs up for that. Yeah, cheers, man. I mean, that's been a big silver lining for me. Like, I was supposed to be gone pretty much every weekend until June from the end of February. So it's, uh, you know, given me the opportunity to spend a lot more time with my son. So, uh, you know, I always try to find silver linings and things. So, I mean, that's been a huge one for me. For okay, sure. cool. Because, like, you guys were scheduled for the, with those shows of Mitre Circus, right? Yeah, that's it. So we came over here at the end of February to kick that tour off. There were seven shows over six weeks or something like that. And um, it was kind of as everything was was getting serious worldwide. Um, and we got away. So the first show, I remember going and there wasn't really a whole lot of concern uh, for that one, particularly like in terms of like, there being cases in Australia or anything like that. But then even just a week later, there were some cases in Australia. There were some, like there was, there was a safety meeting with everyone before the show talking about all sorts of procedures and like not going into the crowd uh, as usual and stuff like that. And then by the third weekend I flew out and I landed on Friday. And as I was going from the airport to the hotel, we, found out that um, the government here had put a, a ban on uh, gatherings over 500 people, but it started on the Monday. So we did the show the next day on Saturday, and that was the last one we were able to do, and the rest of the, sh the shows got postponed. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. No, but luckily, like, uh, you guys are able to enjoy the kid more, right? That's exactly it, man. Uh, I've been, yeah. And like I said, Australia's been a pretty good place to be, so – We've been able to get out and go for walks and stuff like that and take them down to the beach and things like that. So it's uh, 
we're getting to do stuff with him here that we wouldn't be able to do if we were at home in California. Mm, yeah, true, because as well here in Milano, like, we weren't able to even, like, leave the houses. Like, the only thing that you're able to on, on the phase one of this, like, quarantine, going to the grocery, going to the pharmacy, and go back home as, as soon as possible. Like, we weren't yeah. allowed for first, like, two months to leave our apartments or our, like, houses because of this uh, of this quarantine. Yeah, how's things over there now? What kind of stage are you in at this point? Right now, like, we are, like, that thing that they're called phase two. Like, we're, like, we are able to go out, make, like, uh, sport activities. Like, okay. um, I mean, like, everything seems to be normal, to be honest right. with you. But, like, we have to, of course, keep the distance, wearing the yeah. masks and all that. So, but, like, mm-hmm. from what I've heard, like, in two weeks, we are might be going able to even like leave the the country and like going around to the city without the mask. But like I'm quite a skeptical about it because like how things like grow up fast. Like I mean I remember in the very last weekend of February, like right after the winter clash, we had like the yeah. very first calls, like the very first like person get infected by that. And like in ten days, like here in Lombardy, which is like the region of Milano. It was like yeah. the, the ground zero of the whole thing. So yeah, right. Quite scary. Yeah, definitely is. So yeah, be weary as things start to reopen, but uh, hopefully it all goes smooth for you guys, and uh, there isn't a big sec- second wave. Mm-mm-mm, true. And like, yeah. um, are we able to to play golf right now in Australia? Yeah, in Australia here, they they've got all sorts of measures. For a long time, like you could only play with two people at a time. You had okay. to walk. Uh, and they did things like they'd cut pool noodles and stick them in the cup. So, like, the ball still goes in, but it sits right at the top, so you don't have to reach into the cup to get the ball out and stuff oh. like that. So, yeah, I was still able to play. I, I wasn't playing a whole lot because uh, um, having the, the newborn. But uh, now that he's getting a little older, he just turned four months uh, the other day. So uh, he's getting a little bigger and is is uh, not as – uh, needy all the time, so it's it's uh, afforded me the chance to get out to play a little bit more. That's <laughs> pretty cool. And how did you go yeah. get into the golf world? Oh, golf man! I I got into golf like 20 years ago, like when yeah. I was yeah when I was 15. Uh, I think actually, to be honest, I think it was Jan Welch was getting like throwing away a bunch of stuff from his apartment, and he had like a random bag of super old clubs. And he was taking them to Goodwill or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'll take them. I'll, I'll just take them to the driving range and go hit some balls. That sounds like fun. So I started going to the driving range and I had heaps of fun just going to hit balls. And uh, and then one time I was on a family vacation and uh, all my cousins were into it. And they were like, oh, we're going to go play around. Do you want to come? Like, you, we know you, you like to play. And I was like, oh, I, I've never actually played. I just go to the driving range. If I go play around, I'll probably lose a million balls, like, I, you know, whatever. And they, they were like, no, it'll be fun. Just come with us. And I went with them, and, like, I was hooked instantly. And that was probably when I was, I don't know, 17 or 18. So, yeah, for the last, like, what, like, yeah, 17 years, something like that, I've been pretty pretty addicted to it. It looks like, I mean, I don't know why, but here in Italy, it looks like one of those um, uh, classy sport because, like, two to, to go on the golf courses, you need to be, you need to have like a membership card or like yeah, being yeah, part yeah. of this club and everything. Is it the same thing in, in the United States or like you guys are No, to... definitely not. Oh, I mean, it, it can be. It, it depends on where you go. It, it's both. But I, I do, like, I, I feel like Italy, from what I've heard, um, 
because there isn't a ton of courses and stuff like that, it is more kind of more exclusive. Whereas in the States, there's a whole different range of, of ways to play. Like I, the place that I go play, it's, it's across the road for me. It's a municipal course. I don't have a membership there. It costs me 19 bucks to play. You can play oh, in really? a t-shirt. Yeah. Like you, you don't have to tuck in and you don't have to play with a tucked in shirt and collar and stuff like that. Like, um, I tend to just cause it's like, I feel comfortable golfing in golf clothes, but, um, like it's not strict at all. Like people, you know, chugging beers and whatever, when they're playing, uh, stuff like that. Like it, it's definitely not like it, it can be an exclusive thing there. Like there is big, um, you know, private courses that cost, you know, astronomical money to be a part of and stuff like that. But I, that's not the kind of golf I play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah true i mean like it would be yeah. cool to have it like the same thing here in Italy, like paying 20 bucks and you just go there and hit some balls yeah. and i mean because here as i was saying like you need to be dressed in a certain way you need to have like this membership card it costs you like thousands per year or something like that which is yeah, kind, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, kind of tricky but uh, yeah for sure how, yeah how's playing with uh, with john avran who's here watching us right now Oh, uh, Joe, what up, dude? Uh, yeah, it was good, man. I, I actually, I probably hadn't seen Joe in maybe 10 years until we met back up and played golf. It, it's kind of funny. It's kind of been like a, a way to rekindle friendships with, with people that I've known for years through skating and kind of went our separate ways or whatever. And, uh, or not separate ways, but just like life pulled us in different directions. And like now, you know, you find someone find out someone you used to hang out with all the time plays golf you're like yo we gotta play blah blah, <laughs> blah. so yeah it's good fun like when i get back to california i'll definitely be hitting joe up to, to go play some more around man that would be super cool and talking yeah. about Jan, like um, the other day uh, i have done like one of these blading chats with him and he told me yeah. about the profile that um I, i talked to you about that the united front one and i think yeah. that, that was one of your very first profile right it was definitely early on um it i don't it definitely wasn't my first one my first one uh was definitely with brian bell um and street dwellers uh i think the first one i had like a mini profile and then the second street dwellers i had like a my first real video part um and then united let's see united front i want to say there might have been one or two in between but it, it, it was definitely early on yeah for sure Man, like, and I, I was watching also the Street Developers 2 profile earlier before doing mm. this. And, man, like, you've been killing it ever since, man. <laughs> oh, cheers, dude. I mean, that was – I, I, I kind of – when I get an opportunity to do something, I try to do my best to, to seize it. So as soon as I kind of had the chance to start doing things with people that I looked up to my whole life, I just, like, didn't want to stop. So I just kind of ran with it and did did my best along the way. Man, like it's pretty cool. And like, how did you start? How did you like um, uh, started skating? And when did you start skating? Uh, skating. I mean, I've had skates before. I can't remember. Um, like I, I even have like I have a photo of myself like when I was two years old with quad skates on and stuff like that. So I was like on skates my whole life basically, but. I really got into rollerblades uh, when I started getting into hockey, probably like Mighty Ducks era, like kind of kind of deal. Like, uh, but I definitely I would have been probably six or seven when I started heavy getting into B 
being on on rollerblades to play like roller hockey in my uh, in my uh, driveway or whatever, and then it just kind of kept going, kept going. I started playing ice hockey, and then uh, some friends on the ice hockey team took me to a skate park with with our rollerblades, and it was kind of a wrap from there. Damn, and the legend began. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and like talking about like um, skating with, with with Rams, like how did you get introduced to to Kado and and uh, started your relationship with Rams? Uh that was all through Brian Bell. So um, when I was younger, I, I would have been maybe fourteen, fifteen. I was probably oh no, I was like thirteen, fourteen actually. One day I came home from school and my mom told me there was like a a message on the family answering uh, answering machine from Brian Bell uh, and said he yeah. wanted to go, like he was filming for a video and he wanted to go film with me and he got my phone number through mutual friends or whatever. And I was like, what? Like that, that's not a real thing. Like Brian Bell doesn't call you and ask you to go film. Anyway, long story short, I started filming with Brian um, kind of uh, frequently. Like it, it was pretty much almost every day after school, he'd come pick me up. We'd go film, and then Kato um, was based out of San Diego at the time, uh, and he would uh, always kind of be with Brian. I met him a few times here and there, and then we started skating together more often. And then I bought a pair of skates from him. Uh, and then when that kind of pair wore out, he I think he hooked me up with a pair of skates, and then it just kind of blossomed from there. But, like, it, he took a pretty – big gamble on me uh kind of putting me as like the first official team rider you know when I was kind of a nobody um you know it was back in in the day like when Jason Marshall and Brian Jaggers and stuff were, were riding the skates but there wasn't like an official team or anyone wasn't like officially riding for them and I think the first ad in a magazine for for Rams was me and then yeah, so it was a pretty pretty kind of special thing, and then to to spend my whole career with them is was pretty awesome. Yeah, true. Like, cause you like I probably am I correct to say that like I've seen like just a bunch of clips of you skating razors, maybe noir. I used to or, like. I, yeah. Oh, noir. Yeah, there was like a there was one time like in but so when they went from the old style uh, rims to the UFS there was like a delay or not a delay, but there was basically like a big gap in between like the last uh, original pairs and uh, the UFS ones coming in. And that was like when Rams made the jump to Sunshine uh, distribution. So it was kind of like a sister company or whatever Razors was. And I just needed skates. And cause I, at the time, I mean, I was on skates six, 10 hours a day. Like, I don't know, like I, that's all I did. And, um, so I would go through skates pretty quickly and it was kind of just like, it filled the, filled the void in between, but it's kind of funny because I broke my ankle in, in razors and everyone always, always, uh, you know, asked me like, Oh, do rims have good ankle support? Do rims have good ankle support? And this, that, and the other, I never had an issue with my ankles and rims and uh, broke my leg and my ankle and in, in a pair of razors. Damn, that's crazy. Cause like, if we, yeah. if we think about like, I don't know your tricks uh, at the IMYT in Detroit, where you Royal 450 out mm. like a 10 feet wall. I mean, and nothing happened. And then like within like the, the hard boot, like 
called razors. Yeah. You, you just broke it. It's pretty crazy to yeah. think about. It was, I, I want, I can't blame the skates. It was definitely like, a, I, I made a poor decision in the middle of a trick and that's kind of what caused it. But I just, I think that it's ironic that I was always asked about ankle support and rims and, uh, and it, never happened until i was riding a hard boot skate so <laughs> true true yeah. and like talking about like um all of your video section because like i've seen probably them all uh it's pretty cool to see like the evolution of your skating i mean like you constantly it looks at like you constantly trying to beat yourself like each section like from section to section you're trying to 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 get the best out of it like where does the the research of like this battle come out uh i that's just me that's always been me like i've i've i was kind of raised to if something was worth doing it was worth doing right and to me doing something right was always doing it the best i possibly could and and i just like i said like i i i grew up you know idolizing all these guys and watching them do these things watching their video parts watching And then I had the opportunity to be one of those people. And to me, it was almost like a responsibility to continue to get better. Like, and, and it wasn't, I didn't take it on as a, like a job or whatever. Like I just, it fed my hunger to get better. And all I wanted to do was skate. Like, so I just got better because I was skating more. And then uh, because of the sport I was getting from companies and stuff like that, I had the opportunity to skate more and more and more in different places. And you start learning different things. And yeah, so to me, I kind of took it as a personal challenge that every time I filmed a part that had to be better than the last part I, I put out. And yeah. I kind of always said, like, I wouldn't ever want to put out a part if I wasn't able to put out a part that was better than my last part. So Man, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to hear. And, and like, which one was your, your, I wouldn't say your favorite one because it's like a, an awkward section, uh, an awkward question, but like the, the one that you enjoyed most filming uh, through your entire career? Um, that's, that's definitely a tough question. I mean, uh, I think one that, it depends on what I think about, you know, like thinking back to every section I film, they all have really special memories kind of attached to them and things that happen throughout the filming and stuff like that. But um, if, if I'd have to say killer boots was probably the most fun to film and the easiest a section ever came to me, if that makes any sense. Like, um, like, The guys that originally were supposed to have parts in that video were JC, Jeff, uh, Shima. Um, I think there was one. Was there another one? Uh, anyway, long story short, is they were they were all good friends of mine, and Carl is my, my really good friend. So I was just with them every time they were filming for their parts. I wasn't even officially kind of on the roster to have a part, but after maybe three weeks of filming we were going through footage and Carl was like, dude, you kind of are starting to build up a, a pretty solid, you know, batch of clips here. Uh, I think like, should we, do you want to do an actual part? And I was like, yeah, okay. And then from that point on, I kind of took it more seriously. But like I said, it was just a group of my good friends out filming the whole time. And like, I never really remember a time when we were filming that video when I was like scared of something I was doing or like, 
I need to get this done for this section kind of thing. It just kind of happened. Like it was like the most natural kind of section that came out. And then if I think about probably my favorite part that I put out or filmed, it would be the leading the blind or, or drip job. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why was, was cause at the time I kind of realized what the opportunity was, you know, like, um, uh, you know, John and Shima and I had left mind game and started four by four. And I think leading the blind was kind of our chance to prove that it wasn't a stupid decision, <laughs> I guess. And so I kind of took that on in a way and, and said like to myself, like, I know what mind game is to skating. And I just left that company and we're starting this company. And like, unless we kind of come to the table with some sort of game changing, you know, video. It, it's like, how can you leave my game and then not, you know, come correctly. So, uh, I kind of took that as a, like, all right, like this is an opportunity to really seize the moment. Like if, and we can turn four by four into like, you know, the next my huge game. thing or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, so to me, that one I kind of took took on pretty personally, and like I I battled for tricks for that part. I I did tricks that scared the shit out of me for that part. Um, I, and and then drip drop, I think I did the same thing. And I feel like my skating was in a better place for drip drop. So leading the blind was kind of the moment, and what it stood for was really cool. And then drip drop, I think was probably the the best I ever felt on skates in that time period and like uh i really kind of put myself on the line for for that part so uh, th <laughs> i think those those three parts are probably uh my favorite throughout but it, but like i said if i think back every single part i filmed has insane memories attached to it the, the other day vg was... actually but like i can't forget that one because to me one it was vg so it's like that's like a you made it moment. But on top of that, the thing that made it really special for me was Roadhouse was always like my number one favorite dude, like coming up. And he was roommates with Dave Payne at the time. And so like when I first started filming that part, I'd go over and I was like scared to even like talk to Randy at the time. And then like, we kind of became like, we became really, really good friends throughout filming that part. So it was like a, not only was I getting this part in VG, but it was kind of like all these things that happened. I was becoming friends with, with, you know, my biggest idols and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, Randy was like the best man at my wedding. So like, yeah, it's man. just like, um, like, I don't know it, it that was a, a special time, you know, being a grommet and then like getting that opportunity and becoming friends with, you know, the person you look up to more than anyone. So, Oh, like I said, every part, if I think about it hard enough, there's very special things that came along with them. So, True, true. I yeah. bet. I, the other day I was watching the, the Jump Street podcast episode with uh, John Julian and Miguel Ramos, and they were talking about your section in, in Drip Drop, and like they said something that like uh, um, they got the point. Like the level of skating and the things that you were doing on that profile, man, they were like snowboard style, like jumping like on huge gaps doing doing crazy stunts so that one yeah i mean it was so impressive when i saw it i wouldn't believe like 
when you were like doing the five, like within like the 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 bench to to the to the bank. I mean, that was like that profile was really on another level and from another planet, man. Yeah, I did take a lot of um, kind of influence from BMX around that time. I would watch BMX videos a lot uh, because they were just able to do so much more with what they had, like because the speed they could generate and stuff like that. So. I was kind of watching a lot of BMX videos around that time. I've kind of started to look at skating differently around that time period. So, um, and and the thing is though, is I, I didn't just do it to do it. Like that's how I had the most fun. Like if I was going really, really fast, doing something really big and like on the edge of like being confident, I was going to land it, but kind of scared to do it there there like wasn't a better feeling than rolling away from a trick like that at that time and my idea for that part for drip drop was that every trick in it needed to be one of those <laughs> and like i don't there there was definitely some tricks that aren't in there but like that was kind of my goal for that part was to to uh have it kind of be an enders only part if that makes sense but yeah. no they, they were like they were all of them in my opinion <laughs> Yeah. And like through through like the the world thing that you have achieved on skating, like you have won like X Games, Hoedown, IMYTA, LG Games, uh, ASA, and all that. Like, which one was like the the most memorable uh, moment on your winning career of skating? Uh, I I was I was very very lucky with my uh, kind of competition career. Uh, I feel like there was a lot of people coming up around the same time that when I was going to comps at, at the start, uh, it could have been, it was anyone's, anyone's day. And I think for that reason, I, th I think probably the first IMYTA that I won uh, in Atlanta uh, was a huge one for me because it, it proved to me that I could win, if, if that makes sense. So it kind of, gave me the confidence to go into an, another contest and say, I've won before, why can't I do it again? Whereas I think if if I had kept going for a couple of years before I won something, I, I think it would have been harder. Like, oh, I know I'm really good, but, you know, this guy always does something better, or the, you know, whatever. Because, I mean, there was, at that time, like, there was such a, a gnarly group of, yeah. of people around the same age. Like, I mean, it was like Brasca, Farmer, uh, the Kelsos, Uh, Rob Thompson, um, you know, Murda, uh, Dre, like the list goes on, like uh, Aragon, um, you know, like it, there was, it was heavy competition, you know, it wasn't like, you know, nothing was easy to win. So I think <laughs> the fact that that, that was kind of the first comp I really won and that kind of gave me the confidence to say, oh, like, okay, I can win. And, uh, And so I'd, I'd have to probably say that one because it kind of sparked the whole thing for me. Man, I, I was talking about with like about that competition with Julian Bad the other day. And like, I, then I watched like the video and everybody were in there in Atlanta. There was like you, Thompson, mm. Carl Spianowski, uh, Sean Kelso, true, like everybody were in there. So I bet like it could have been like a, a super challenging one to win oh man Definitely. like it literally like every time someone landed a trick you're like oh they just won and then like <laughs> someone else would land something you'd be like fuck they just won <laughs> oh they just won like and it just went like that like the finals was intense and yeah. like it, it was it was a good time man so 
to I, but I think the fact that I ended up winning that and it was so intense just kind of like changed my mindset it went like okay someone else always wins to okay you can win kind of thing and uh so I think that that kind of steamrolled into a, into a confidence that really carried me through my whole competition career awesome awesome and like talking about like the, um, the evolution of your skating in general like you have been able to master like everything from, from what i've learned like bowl skating pipe skating and and of course mega ramp like Ooh, bowls it, is a little i wouldn't go i wouldn't go that far <laughs> i still haven't mastered bowls but like on shredding your dead like you, you're you're doing like a, a lot of good things in there no i yeah i there i was there were all struggles and i had to like I had to get like Eric Bailey and Jeff to like coach me like, okay, wh when I do this trick and I come out of this corner, like, where do I go? And they'd be like, <laughs> bro, you just like take a left turn, you hit it. And I'm like, how do you, like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't understand bull skating the way they do. <laughs> so it's, I, I, it, bull skating is one of the most fascinating things for me to watch because it is something that just never came to me naturally. And, uh, it's it's awesome to me when someone can like connect everything in a bowl you know like they're you know they're here one second and then you think like there's only one way to go and then all of a sudden they rip through one corner and then there's something you're like so to me that's that's like a really impressive uh way to skate and it's something that i would would say i've always struggled with and and still do <laughs> Is it why? Is this like the reason why you have joined the the Shredder Dead crew? No, that was that was just like those were the best trips ever, dude. Like they were like, you want to talk about like a group of friends, no pressure to get like hardcore tricks done. Like it was just like camping, you know, having some beers at night, uh, you know, good coffee in the morning, an awesome crew like good vibes it was just like the the best those those two trips we did were were two of the most fun skate trips i ever went on i think man good times they look like super yeah. cool and and amazing times and talking about the mega how did you end up like uh trying or like skating the mega ramp well so from the time uh Danny Wade did the the first 360 um, big air thing. I think it was in a DC video or something like that. From the moment I saw the mega ramp, I was like, "That's it! Like that. That is like I need to figure out a way to get on that thing." And to be honest, like they, I went through a whole this whole period where I couldn't like so that that ramp that Danny rode was actually in California. And uh, Shima and I both really wanted to ride it. And so we went to the, the camp that it was at, Point X. And uh, we were like, yeah, we talked to some people that said we could come skate for the day, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can, you can ride whatever you want here. Just don't go anywhere near the mega ramp. And we were like, shit, like, that's where we came here to ride. <laughs> and they're like, you think you could just walk in here and go ride that thing? And we were like, I don't know. We were kind of hoping that was, that was the case. <laughs> And um, it wasn't the case, but, and, and I think it's probably a good thing that it didn't happen then. because I'm not sure I was really ready for it at, at that time. But then, um, then shortly after someone sent me and Shima skis, I, it was a detour, uh, the shop in Canada. Um, 
I'm trying to think uh, Felix Ryu had something to do with it and uh, Danny there and stuff like that. They sent us some, some skis and sent us to Mammoth because Kaya had just started kind of taking the skiing world by storm. And uh, they would kind of, they sent us some skis and said like, we just humor us and try to ski and see what happens kind of thing. And so we started skiing and we got kind of good at it um, pretty quickly. And then to me, that I, we were able to hit really big jumps on skis and uh, bigger than you could on skates. So to me, it was kind of the same thing. And I was like, well, I can't hit the mega ramp. So I'm just going to go skiing as much as I can and hit big jumps on skis. And then uh, I think the next time I got a chance to actually ride a ramp like that on skates was the nitro ramp when they called me to go out to, um, to ride uh, that practice to kind of see if they want to be on the tour and stuff like that. And then I did a whole tour with them before I ever got to ride a real mega ramp. And I think going through that whole process made me ready to actually ride the real mega ramp. I don't think at the, at the time we, we first went to point X that I was really ready for the speed and, and airtime and stuff like that. But I think the process of riding skis and then doing the nitro ramp, which is a little smaller than a mega ramp and then getting on the real mega ramp was like a very good, uh, slow burn for me and learning yeah. how to do it. Yeah. And like talking about nitro, like uh, uh, how did you end up like being contacted by them? And like, uh, um, does like uh, ever like uh, Pastrana saw any of your videos? Like for example, drip drop or something like that? Uh, at this point, he has, yeah. But at that point, definitely not. So I think, I, I honestly don't know exactly what happened, but from, from the kind of information I've gathered, uh, someone at Nitro reached out to Woodward and asked uh, for a rollerblader basically. And Richie Velasquez uh, at Woodward West gave them my contact info. And then I didn't hear from them forever. And then randomly, I just got a met like an email from them saying, uh, we've, we've got um, this ramp set up. Uh, it's in Temecula. Uh, we want to see if you can come do some tricks on it. Like they didn't tell me what it was for or anything like that. So I went out there, did did like a week of practice, like driving back and forth from my house because it was only, I don't know, like an hour away at that point. So each one I get up, I drive an hour, did like a week of practice with them and I was actually able to ride uh, or I'd do a lot of tricks, but it was into a foam pit. And then so uh, at the end of that week, they basically said, okay, uh, we're taking a week off. And then when we come back a week later, we're going to put the resi down. Uh, so it's like the actual landing and we want you to come back then and we want you to stay at the hotel out here with all of us and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I think basically what happened there was, it was they wanted to see what I could do in the first week. And then if I was okay, they wanted to see if I could actually land any of it. And then they put me in the hotel to see if I kind of mixed with the group of people because we were going to be going on tour, which I didn't know at the time. But um So then I went back the next week, stayed at the hotel with everybody, got along with everyone really well. They put the landing in and like when they put the landing up, a lot of people were looking at it like, shit, who's going to hit this thing? And I was like, get me on that ramp. Like I've been waiting <laughs> for this moment for so long and I just want to ride this thing. Like, I don't care if like, this is like a chance I've been waiting for forever. So I was, I, I'm not sure if I was the first one to jump into the landing, but I was one of the first people and I just kind of started sessioning it. 
and I was able to land everything I was doing into the foam pit. And when that was the case, it was like three days later, they were like, okay, here's the deal. Like we built this ramp cause we're going on a tour and we want you to come and blah, blah. blah. And uh, so we did the first tour of Australia and that was in 2010 and it's Damn. just kind of, yeah, just rolled since then. So yeah, 10 years now. 10 years, man. It's like, it's yeah. pretty cool to see like, uh, they are still like ripping in within the show. And you also done like a, a worldwide tour, right? Don't you guys? Yeah, like we've been, the only places we haven't been are South America and Antarctica, but like we've done South Africa, we've done Europe, we've done Asia, we've done North America, we've done Australia and New Zealand, a whole bunch. So yeah, we've, we've made our way around pretty, pretty well. We went to Saudi Arabia, uh, yeah. uh, Abu Dhabi, yeah. So and like, there was like any memorable uh, shows that you guys have been to? Oh man, there's too many to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done over 300 shows with them, I think. So I, oh, wow. it's there was too many, but I mean, ones that stand out, I think, like Staples Center in LA. I'm a huge Laker fan, so yeah. to be able to do a show like in that was like I was walking on sacred ground. Um, and then Madison Square Garden in New York, it's it's kind of like, you know, the the it of everything. You know, it's the the hub of entertainment. Like if you've played Mad Madison Square Garden, you you're doing something right. So um, that was pretty special. Um, South Africa, we had a huge crowd, like thirty five thousand people came to the show, yeah. and it was like, yeah, it was the noise was like, I got chills in the intros and stuff like that. So that, that one was special, but, um, but there's been a lot, there's been a lot, you know, like in Sydney one year, like my parents were there and my wife's parents were there and stuff like that, a whole bunch of friends. So like every show has its kind of meanings, but, uh, there's been a lot of good ones. Man, that's cool. And so right now, like just because earlier you were saying that like, um, all the shows that were like meant to be like earlier on this year, like, when are they going to be postponed? Like in September? Uh, so there's a U.S. tour that was supposed to happen in, it was supposed to be going on right now, it was in May and June. And that is currently pushed back to September, October. Um, so that's the plan as of right now. Um, and then the Australia ones got kind of pushed into the beginning of 2021. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Um, and talking about like uh, skating on streets, like uh, after the the Vibrolux section, which it was mm. like the other ones, amazing. Oh. Are we going to be able to see like uh, another in the future uh, street section? I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm definitely not going to promise anything because that that Vibrolux part was like the one of the hardest things I've ever done. Like it was, it, it was. Partly because it was like during a time where we were toying a lot. So I was away from home a lot. And then I was away from home more to feel that. Um, and just like my body, like street hurts a lot more than anything else. And like I said, I never wanted to put out a part that wasn't better than the last one I put out. And while I, while I know that as I'm getting older and stuff, like it, it does, I do appreciate that people like to see you skate regardless of you know the level like because with me that was what it was like for with john elliott like when he started slowing down uh a little bit like i was just like dude i don't care just do a royale like do a front torque like do like those 
signature tricks that like I just like love to watch you do and um it doesn't have to be crazy shit so I, I do understand that but like at the same time I like to hold a, a certain level of if I'm going to do a full part but um I don't know we'll we'll see but I I, I wouldn't hold my breath <laughs> true and um and, and so I mean Chris the, the, I would say that that's that's pretty much it man I don't want steal any of your time thank you so much for, for yeah, being no worries, here man. man it has been it like a super chatting. pleasure and um i'm looking forward to see you guys coming here in italy anytime soon for the nitro circus show yeah hopefully we make it out that way sometime soon man will be will be super cool and um yeah once again congratulations to you and your wife for the for the kid and uh, i'm looking forward to uh, see you soon maybe i don't know in some golf courses in california or maybe yeah, in one that's of- it in one of those Nitro Circus show, okay? Right on, man. Have a good one, Jason. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Chris. See you, man. Peace. Thanks for listening to Blading Chats.